traditional type of church. We're more engaging with the body. And as you're joining us today, again, thank you for joining us as we are here continuing in our series, Advocating for Mental Health. Uh, this is a series the Lord placed in my heart to share with the body of Christ. You know, being a early retired chaplain from hospice, I really got a chance to understand the dynamics that people go through in their lives. But today we're really going to continue spinning off from what we did two Sundays ago related to the children's mental health. And now we're going to start dealing with uh, black men uh, facing mental health. Uh, it's one of those subjects that our culture don't always relate to. Uh, we don't address, but it's a necessity because people in this world are hurting. Uh, I'm uh, so advocating that I'm willing to put everything I have on the line, my financial investment, my personal investment, because I believe in order to change a village, the village has to be changed. And uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, World Change, give our live audience a hand clap of appreciation. All our partners, thank you. But you, you know, honey, we, we, uh, we have been in this for a few weeks. Each day we have an opportunity to talk among us and we share. And, um, and I, I want to thank World Changes for being open to allow us to come and be a blessing to you. Uh, this is no by any means of trying to create an issue for people, but open your awareness that uh, mental health has been impacted for centuries. It's just at this time we get a chance to kind of chime in on, in a different way. So, um, I'm going to show you a short video clip of our, uh, my wife's uh, favorite actor. Y'all know who that is? Denzel Washington. He's just a great actor, that's all. Okay. Nothing more than that. Okay. This is my man right here. Hey, girl. Denzel. All right. Just a great actor. All right. See, see, you see? That, that's, that's my mental health. I'm going to pay the mortgage one more time. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to take care of it one more time. So let, let's, let's play a small clip of Denzel Washington and uh, hear what he has to say relating to black men. Pain is passed down from father to son and son to son. A lot of pain in Troy's life is a result of the pain and the damage from his father that he then visits on his son. We have to, as black men, be mindful of that. Sometimes it's unfair. And sometimes we take it out on those we love. And, and I'm, 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 I'm guilty of that frustration that we all have. But we have a responsibility and a duty to be fathers. Not to just make babies, but to be real fathers. And you can't expect any good to come to you if you don't visit any good on your son or your daughter. So, be a man. Awesome. Awesome. Had a preach right there. Had a preach by himself. <laughs> what, what, what do you think about that? What, what Denzel has spoken such a short, uh, twenty-four second announcement. I, I had a demonstration I was going to do, and I'll just try to maybe explain it. But each of us are just a vessel, uh, an empty vessel, um, in the beginning. Uh, our talents and stuff are with us, but as to um, our final who we are is impacted by what is poured into us, be it good or be it bad. And uh, what this, uh, this gentleman was saying is that, you know, we have passed on a lot of bad things to our sons, you know, uh, as black men. He was expressing, you know, I think that we don't understand the impact 
uh, that society has had on uh, our black men. We don't understand the, the impact that we've had on ourselves from our history, from our upbringings, um, some of the things that our parents did unbeknownst to them and sometimes just beknownst in them. They may have known, but they had issues that they never dealt with and those issues were passed down uh, in bad behaviors or bad examples. Okay. And our children grab those things and we do something with it. It's never for naught. Nothing is never for naught. Whenever it's happening, something is impacting. That's just who we are as beings. And so uh, I believe that he was saying that we, we have to visit those things. We can't just overlook them and just you know, sweep it under the rug and keep it moving. No, we got to go back and revisit some of these things that have impacted us. How many of my men that are visiting or are just part of world changes can let your father was in the home with you? If your father's in the home, stand to your feet. Okay. Good stuff. If your father wasn't in the home, whatever reason, you stand to your feet. Those that stood have a seat. Just work on a little echo. You got a little echo in here. Okay. So we have a percentage of male factors who father were in the home, and we have some male factors who the father wasn't in the home. Now, in this series, we are going to be addressing, and we already addressed the children, mental health. Mm -hmm. We're now working to addressing men, black men, mental health. You may be seated. And then we'll come deal with the men slash husband, men in general, mental health. Then we're going to address women slash wives, mental health. I mean, if you're a single parent or just a lady, we're going to address the mental health. And then we're going to go back and address the entire family, mental health. Uh, again, I said that I'm not a clinician in this field, but 30 years of pastoring and being in people's lives has afforded me the opportunity to have some accreditation uh, <laughs> to talk about the field, plus my own personal challenges with this. Uh, so our goal today is to make sure that we have transparency. Somebody say transparency. So without transparency, that, that's, no, that's no help. Uh, I was uh, heading to my business early, a few days ago in the morning, and uh, I was talking to the Lord as I always do, and the Holy Spirit says to me, he says, because you may be invited to the party, don't mean you're welcome at the party. And I, I didn't understand it at that time, but two days later, I got a revelation of what that meant. Invite doesn't mean welcome. Sometimes folks tolerate us. Sometimes folks just use you because of who you are and what you can bring to the table. But you're not always welcome. In fact, that's a scripture uh, somewhere in the New Testament. You, you preachers know it probably better than me. Uh, it talks about how, you know, if someone invites you, you go to a particular place, you don't just walk up on stage, as I paraphrase it. If you do, if they decide someone of greater uh, position come in, then you had to ask to be sat down, which brings a shame to you. So I've learned that in our society, in our culture, we don't always talk about, in fact, we don't talk like we're supposed to about things. Today, I want you to have this mindset. Let's have the conversation. In fact, let's say the conversation. Yeah. 
Because the conversation is very detailed, it's very in, involved. It caused some feelings to kind of rise up. Uh, a few days ago, my, my uh, oldest son, Prayton Jr., birthday was the 25th. He and I have been estranged for almost 10 years since, uh, better, since my divorce from his mother. And that took us through a transition in relationship. Uh, not gonna go whose side, who was right, who was wrong. It's, that's irrelevant now. It was our relationship was impacted, so I had to put my pride to the side, and I wish him a happy birthday, with the hope that he gonna respond positively. And he did. He said, "Thank you, Dad." Now he haven't said Dad in years, so he said, "Thank you, Dad." So uh, I text him. I said, uh, "I want to us to have the conversation," and he says, "Well, Dad, uh, I just want to get past that. Let's just reconnect us and the, and the grandkids." I said, that's good, but I can't do that. We got to have the conversation. How did we get here? How can we not be here again? And so he agreed we're going to be meeting with the next week, he and I, and then we'll have our conversation and then go from there. Amen? So, so uh, I have to admit, 10 years have gone by. I have not had a relationship with my grandchildren on that side. And that's been painful. But it was a journey. Now, our goal is that this journey can come together. Now, she's been on my back every year. You know, you need to talk to your son. And I've tried. But when things are the way they are, you've got to let things work their way out. Now, I'm one of those type of people. I, I, I'm easy to unplug. I, I would disconnect in a minute. You know, i cut your light off. <laughs> let you sit in the dark, okay? you got three minutes. Well, you know, I don't want Go you ahead. to leave it like now, that. Now, be honest. Yeah. Let, me, let me just say this. When you've been hurt and uh, you have been reared in that type of painful relationships and family dynamics and you don't feel the connection with your family, it becomes a part of your world of this is how we cope and deal yeah. with things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, this, th this is what his thing has always been. This is where uh, for him, his family, they had a lot of stuff. They had, they had wealth, uh, or th let's say they had, um, they didn't have any wants. Yeah. But their time was consumed with just things, and the connection as far as family wasn't always there. So it was easy just to unplug and not have that anymore. Whereas for me, family is everything. Mm -hmm. If I have nothing, if I have family, I have everything. And so, um, this is where our connection has mm -hmm. just been uh, a blessing. Yeah. Um, and so for him, it's just to not hurt anymore. Some people self-medicate. Some use drugs, some use drinking, some use other things to, to feel better. His thing was just to numb it by unhooking, unplugging, mm -hmm. and not feeling the current anymore. Just just let it go and, just, and, and, and not you know, be scraped or scrapped by it. Me, myself, I'm that person. I want to have the conversation. It can hurt. Mm -hmm. We can cry. We can even be offensive in our conversation and what we, what we hear, but we need to have it because I don't want to be disconnected from a person for the simple fact of not talking or not hearing something I might not want to hear. And, and you made such a valid point because uh, being reared uh, stuff kind of gave you the escape. Mm -hmm. And that's what my life been. Mm -hmm. 
deep inside, I always wanted to have that type of relationship. I, I never knew what I'd like to have a grandmother. My grandfather, my father died when I was 18 months old, so I never knew my father. Uh, the best thing he did for us, he left us in a position that we didn't have to, we didn't lack anything, but I never had that father. And I shared a few times that when I did meet this particular gentleman my mom had met, um, and I asked him about what he considered being my father, he told me in such chilling words, hell no. I've been on to her, that's something I live with for all my life. So I said, when I become a grown man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do right about my kids. Well, you can't have father experience unless you've seen it. A majority of uh, black males, black men, grow up without their father in their life. Absence of the father has been a ongoing generational curse. And, uh, and I believe in order to fix that, we gotta understand how did it happen. We know historically it come from slavery. He took the male factor out, made him a stud, he, he became a producer. Uh, he, just, he was a breeder. And then you get into a society now that that seemed to be the normalcy, mm -hmm. and yet still we know it's not normal because it's not the way God planned. So what I want to do is literally say that in order to change a situation, you gotta want to change. You can't continue accepting things as being normal when they're normal. So we talk about advocating for black men's mental health. The struggle is real. How many men can say the struggle is real? Yeah, look at you, it's real. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna say some things, and y'all know me now, I say some sharp stuff, but I'm gonna say some things that are gonna really bring some realities to how black men think in certain incidents, how we, uh, we cope, how we uh, self-medicate, and how sometimes our way of enduring is wrong, but we, we try to do something better. The word advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. This is what we're doing. We're advocating for mental health. Uh, there is mental health, then there's mental illness. Mental illness comes about because the mental health component has been Impact. impacted. So now we have mental illness because the mental health strength is not there. Percentage-wise, all of us, have been impacted in some form or another with our mental health. Well, we have questioned who we were, who we are. Uh, things have traumatized our lives. Not just as a people, just people in general, but when you talk about us as a culture, our traumatization has been a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And um, I pray that we get some revelation to that. Read that definition of mental health. It's a state of emotional or psychological well-being in which an individual is able to use his or her cognitive or emotional capabilities, function in society, and meet the ordinary demands of everyday life. How, how many men or males in this room have felt the pressure of life? Can you describe what your pressure been like, sir? Take your time, yes, sir. It's not something that uh, this can be put in simple words because it, it comes from all sides. Um, it pushes. It is either going to push you to quit or push you to keep going. It's all what's in you, mm -hmm. and that's how. And that's how, just how I feel about it. If 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 I had to, just kind of. 
put it just in one word, it's uh, tedious. Okay. Okay. That's the word, tedious. Okay. Anyone else? Mel. What, what is it like to, in fact, let me ask this question. What is it like to be a black man in America in the 21st century? Now, but no, as Elder Mike, he was there before slavery was. So, <laughs> yes, sir. Give your name, please. This is Deacon uh, Milton. <clears throat> I, would, I would say it's demanding, and I use that word literally because as a man, uh, especially as a black man, there are thousands of things coming at you on a daily basis, such as uh, feeding in with society, making the right decisions about different things, and when you go to this making decisions about different things, it can impact not just you, but it can impact your family, it can impact uh, your relationship with God, which is mostly important or more important. So as we go through our everyday life, we, those demands come to us unbecoming to us. But in, 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 a, in a small sense, I guess, it's for us, for our future. So that demand is put on us as an individual to make a decision, not just at the moment, but something that's going to impact us later on down, down the road. So I think the word demanding would be a good cognitive thing for me. Okay. Anyone else? Any other? Yes, yes, I'm Deacon Donald. Yes. For me, uh, first, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. That's the first thing. But then you got to do what society wants you to do. And see, and a lot of times that don't line up with what God wants you to do. Yeah, okay. And see, for a black man, the way I feel, I, it's so many hats I got to wear. I wear a hat for church. I wear a hat for my job. I wear a hat for my wife. I wear a hat for my kids. Mm -hmm. I wear a hat for my grandkids. Mm -hmm. I got a hat when I just go out the door to get in the car to go to the store because it's, it's always something around the corner. Yeah. It's always something around the corner. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I feel about it. it it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's been carried down from generations. Mm -hmm. Watching my grandfather, watching my grandmother, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And, and I deal with that every day. And even at my age, growing up in the 60s and the early 70s, it's hard. I get emotional real quick because it, it's just so much I've seen. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it makes me angry. Okay. It makes okay. me angry. Good Can you all kind of hear? The, the hearts of the men. Any other male would like to share what it's been like for you? Yes, sir. We can get him. Tasha, this is the early gym for you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. That's um, fine. What's it like to be a black man in America? Um, it's frightening at times. Um, when people won't look past your past to see your changes. Uh, it makes you feel inferior. Okay. Uh, it makes you feel like you're not valued. Um, it makes you feel like you're never enough. Um, it, can, it can be overwhelming. It can push you to do things that you know are wrong just because that's what society wants you to do. Okay, good stuff. 
Wow. But I ain't gonna go too deep. That's good, that's good. I love it. I love it, I love it. Yes. Is Pastor Anderson here? He is, he's back there. <laughs> <laughs> he he threw you right out there, he didn't get. I, I, I wanna hear from him. For you being uh, military retired, um, medical-wise, and uh, with, suffer with PTSD, and the future success of this ministry, what is it like for you when it comes out to the, the mental health? component um so not about the black man and yeah, black man I ain't got to answer that yeah do, do that answer that one. yeah <laughs> okay um I think for me the black man in America is I had to unlearn a lot of things I saw um and it's just how a lot of my peers and how we grew up music, TV, television, you know, what, what, what I saw is what I felt like I had to emulate. And military allowed me to change perspective because I saw a lot of different stuff in the military, which kind of got me, so to, so to speak, out the hood. Mm -hmm. But being in the military, I still was conducting myself as in certain aspects. So growing up as a black man in America, I realized I didn't have to be like what I saw and what the people who influenced me, uh, uncles, mentors, um, even my father to an extent, you know, I had to unlearn a lot of things. And then, you know, I popped out three boys. So I popped them out. <laughs> He said what he said. He said, he said uh, <laughs> she just, hey, look, she just held. Remember that? <laughs> it was hard work doing it. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But having having three young men, I've uh, or three three boys now. That's really how I can. I watch how I conduct myself. Um, I want them to emulate me because I know I have turn the leaf into how black men act in society. You know, I know we face you know, racism and things uh, that is real in America, but I think we could benefit ourselves a whole lot better in how we conduct ourselves and how we act. So that was one of my biggest things uh, in being a father. I wanted to not just tell my children to do something to be better. I wanted them to actually see something that's tangible that can be done to be better. And I'm not perfect, but I I, I work hard to, to emulate uh, a respectable black man. I conduct myself as such. So that's why um, I, do, I do it for them. Now, when it comes to mental health, um, I mean, we all got some forms of PTSD. So um, I was no different when I got mine in war. Um, it's just really being honest with yourself and recognizing that there's something that you're dealing with. Uh, and most people have a hard time doing that. It's saying that there's something that has changed in me and I cannot lean on vices mm -hmm. that I have done before. Drinking, uh, clubbing, you know, things that we, we do to make ourselves feel better. I had to learn how to really handle those issues and face them head on. Um, and that's what 
mental health is when you're getting better is facing those problems head on and then finding uh, good coping mechanisms mm -hmm. to keep yourself straight because you don't just wake up one day and feel better about your mental health. It's something that you have to condition every day. Uh, and that's what the military allowed me to do. And I'm gonna face things that I saw in war, but also I had things that I dealt with as a child. So uh, mental health is something that we all have to be mindful of because everything that go, I go through, they go through, she goes through. Yeah. Yeah. And then it trickles down. Who they will meet, it will trickle down to them. Just like when Denzel said, you yeah. know, it, it gets passed on. My dad had stuff that he dealt with, it passed on to me and my sister. Mm -hmm. And then now we don't work towards making sure our mental health is straight, we pass it down to our children. And we got a whole lot of kids. So <laughs> um, that's what I've learned about mental health is I had to face it head on. I couldn't just no longer act like it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I couldn't no longer lean on things that I used to lean on. Good stuff. Good That's good. Stuff. good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. There's been so much that you gentlemen have shared uh, that we as, as women, I know we're talking about you all today, but mm -hmm. because you are our heads, uh, that we recognize what you have said and uh, the realness of what you're talking about. Um, the, the, the tedious and demanding, yes. I wrote down something because it was just impactful mm -hmm. on what you, how you were describing it. Uh, tedious, demanding, and uh, someone said a lot of pressure, lots of hats. Mm -hmm. Like you got to just be everything for everybody else or else you don't measure up yeah. over here, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't, you know. And so the mental health of all of that is impactful to the family as a whole um, because all of that of what he is dealing with comes to the house. Unfortunately, they don't sit that outside the door when they get home or when they interact with someone else, their family or something like that. That comes with them. The baggage is with them uh, because we are what we are from our mind and our heart. Mm -hmm. And so whatever is in us, like I said, we can't pour anything other than what's in us. Um, and when we recognize it, I love this son, yeah. when we recognize that something's in us that needs to be changed, we have to make those changes to have a different kind of pour. To have a different kind of give to your child or give to someone else or a wife or a friend or whatever, whoever you're interacting with. In order to have a different kind of pour, you've got to recognize something's wrong. Something's broken me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, you know, something, and like I, I think what we do with mental health, we don't like to recognize that. We don't like to say, I'm broken. And if you don't recognize it like anything else, you never get better from that place. You never, you never heal from a place where you don't recognize this is where I am. You can't grow from that. And I think that that is just why I think this is phenomenal, what's happening in this room and what we're doing in this series, because it allows us to, first of all, to not feel shame, yeah. because all of us raise our hand, are dealing with mental health issues or mental health impacts. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, we don't, a lot of times that's why we don't get better because we think we're the only one. Mm -hmm. We think we're the oddball in actuality. We're all living in our own world of some type of mental health issue, something we're dealing with. And uh, it's, there is a, uh, un unfortunately, what Denzel was describing there is 
is so impactful. It goes from generation to generation generation Mm -hmm. to generation. I am fourth generation domestic violence uh, victim. Fourth generation that I know of. And I'm sure before that, I'm sure that was uh, some additional, but that I can actually speak with four generations. Well, the men in my family that this passed down from were in my in my lineage. Yeah. These are the these are the men that are over our families. That this was now passed down through the family uh, domestic violence, but it's impactful somewhere in the family uh, in those men. Something happens. Say something happens. Something happened. Something happened that in them and now what they are feeling, the frustration, maybe not having an outlet, maybe not recognizing that something is wrong, maybe uh, going into vices, uh, d- uh, drugs and drinking and things like that mm-hmm. only intensify <coughs> mental illness, so things that's going on in our, in our minds and in our heads. So uh, this is just wonderful for me. I think that this is amazing. So Read, yeah. read my note here. Um, it says, in our culture, men have been taught how to process, have not, excuse me, have yeah. not been taught how to process and talk about their emotional experiences. Hold right there. How, how many of you men can relate to that part? Have not been taught how to relate to our emotional experience? Because most of the time, we shut down. Mine was unplugged. Uh, at one point, it was not unplugged, but I turned to vices such as pornography. I wasn't a drinker, but I got introduced to pornography as a kid. So every time I got frustrated and flustered, I found myself in that arena where only brought more trouble in my life. So not having been taught to talk about the process, I'm a big person about process. The process is what you go from the beginning to where you are, but a whole lot happened in the middle. When you come out of something, trust me, a whole lot happened in the middle versus what was in the beginning. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Yeah. If your life is trans- troubling like it is, don't stop. Keep moving. At some point, you get to the end of that. But once you get to the end, you still got to remember what took place in the middle is why you're at the end. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of black men don't make it to the end. They get lost in the middle because of the mental health being challenged. Continue to read, please. Uh- how to process their talk about their emotional experiences because they don't get to do that. This fosters a sense of isolation, anger, and resentment. How many relate to that? Yeah. You can hear it. You know, and it's not enough society accuses us of being angry black men. <laughs> to a fact, we are. We're angry about things that we haven't had the liberty to talk about or to really visit. And when you don't have that liberation to talk and discuss certain hard conversation, it puts you in a dynamic, a position where you re- react more than you respond. Right. How many reactions react can get you in a lot of trouble? Right. I was going to say, too, with the pressures, uh, the human mind is not made for constant pressure, which is why PTSD occurs. It's not made for, uh, uh, for constant pressure uh, trauma. And with black men, I, I heard you, sir, over there when you talked about uh, the different things that you've got to do. Like, right. I know our black men, we have to teach them how to survive mm-hmm. uh, a simple um, pull, over. pull over for a ticket. You know, the back light is out. We have a whole different thing that we got to do in order to not be aggressive. 
or appear to, to be, be aggressive. aggressive. Uh, I think sometimes our black men just have a look on them. You know, we we think it's swag, but to others it may look like something else. Brother, it's, what's your name? Jesse. Jesse, stand up, Jesse. Jesse, yeah. Jesse is a prime Jesse example. Jesse somebody else is going to look up t- intimidating. Intimidating. He, he's, yeah. he's a tall, big brother. He's a tall. He you, don't, you just ain't going to walk up on Jesse. You ain't going to walk up on Jesse. When Jesse walk in the room, everybody like, oh, Lord. You're going to think about Jesse first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesse's tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, you, you already know. Don't try. Yeah. <laughs> to somewhat, to me, yeah. I say that's a tall, handsome young man. Yes, yes, yes. But to someone else, he's, he's intimidating. Yeah. And in a car, I can only imagine they don't want to see him climb out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, stay in the car, Jesse. <laughs> but, but I can, as, see, I can see Jesse climbing yeah, out. Yeah, Je- Jesse climbing. <laughs> see, I just wanted the license registration. Yeah. But automatically, if I'm scared yeah. of Jesse, I'm going to have a different reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why sometimes our black men get that. You all. Uh, you get um, you get the, the the bad end of the stick because of how you carry yourselves, brothers. It's nothing wrong. And this is the other thing I said to that. You know, I hate that we have to adjust who we are to be able to make someone else feel okay. When um, it is what we are, it's just you know our men just have a certain swag on them. Uh, it's nothing you know, for us to apologize about. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we have to teach our young men uh, a different kind of walk or talk or mm-hmm. movement in order to survive. So this is like a social thing, but, but I, the pressure of having to do that is what you all deal with. Which impacts our mental health. Right. Immediately. Because at right. that moment, if I get pulled over by law enforcement, I automatically know, depending on what state I'm in, <laughs> I got trouble. If, if, if my counterpart get pulled over and he go tell them what you put me over for, you know, he get a conversation. If I could go to talking, I'm aggressive. Right. So I'm automatically trained in myself how I'm going to deal with this situation. Mm-hmm. So my mental health is now being pulled down because I'm stressed thinking I may not get past this. Right. No violation. But it become a violation. Are y'all hearing me? I'm going to read the At its worst, budding resentment can even develop into an outward expression of aggression and even violence. Denzel Washington said it pretty much plain, clear. Anger does reside in black men. Anger does reside in white men. It's just that in our anger, it seems to be taken to the next level when anger is anger. So, what I I've come to understand about our culture is that you said we gotta foster a new outward way of doing things. You know, our young black men, they walk down the street with their pants sagging. Uh, it, they call it a culture thing. They call it just something, they, they, you know, it's, it's a popular thing. But you're being viewed differently. Is it right? No. But if you think about it, somewhere, your, your, your outward appearance is causing people to think different about you. Even though you say, I have a right to wear what I wear, but at some play field, it's not working in your favor. So if we don't have a conversation about it, then we're going to keep going down this vicious cycle of not getting any help. 
Get the assistance that we need. Let me, yes, ma'am, five minutes. I was going to say, too, that um, the, uh, the pressures of society uh, works against the male factor. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, everything that he deals with or uh, comes in contact with, uh, men are processors. They sit yeah. and think. They're thinkers. We women, we talk it out. We'll talk all three days on mm -hmm. something. You know, That's how we work it out. Lord Men Jesus. go somewhere and ponder. Mm -hmm. They think, you know, they, they we women, we just standing there waiting on them, tell us something. And that is like, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, I got to process this. And in their processing, sometimes it's hard for them to give mm -hmm. to us, not just us, children. Mm -hmm. You know, in this process, there's a breakdown somewhere because he's having to process things that are weighing him or the things that are heavy on him. Uh, we sometimes, as women, we and, and even children, we don't always understand the pressure of men and what they carry the load, especially being the head. It all rises and falls yeah. on the on the male, mm -hmm. and uh, the pressure of it. Even when we even when we find men that shun their responsibilities, somewhere in the back of their mind, they know. Yeah, they know I'm supposed to. You know, even if they just chunk it up, well, I'm just. They got to tell themselves, I'm just not going to care. But in their mind, they know they're supposed to. And so that pressure, sometimes we uh, as women in our, our men, mental health, we need to be helpful in that place and allow pondering, mm -hmm. allow the process uh, and, 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 and for them to come to uh, a resolve within their own minds sometimes. Now, don't take three years. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, there should be a time frame as to when you can deal with your family without them catching your anger or yeah. frustration about what you're pondering and thinking about. Because so often we men, we have, I call, the netting box. Mm -hmm. is going on. We're not dumb. We just ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> we can't put in words. It's just a process. And when her and I have had, say, intense fellowship, we don't, we don't throw pots and pans and all that kind of stuff. No. Uh, our, our intense fellowship may last four minutes, and we're done. Too old to be fighting. Too old to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to fight to get some. Just say, hey, I need you. Don't go through all okay. that. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> they just caught that, I guess. However, <laughs> but, but my point is that when I have a moment of something's not clicking right with me, right. I get quiet. I'm not mad, but I'm processing it. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I need to do different. Or uh, could I say that differently? I don't just, just stay stuck. I'm not the one, a, a man to get in my car and go for a ride, look, look for a, a hookup. I, I will go to the car wash and wash all my vehicles, <laughs> deal with that one thought. Then when I get back, I'm good. But if she pressured me to talk about something that I'm not ready to talk about, it, it affects my mental health. You know, well, now I may say something that I didn't want to say and I didn't mean to say. Thank God she's, she's, she's very uh, understanding that she allows me to have my process. Like she said, don't take three days to process now. Just, you know, just have your moment, but then come back home. <laughs> I mean, come back to reality because it's a pressure being a pastor. It's a pressure being a business owner. It's a pressure being a husband. It's a pressure being a father. It's a pressure being a grandfather. It's a pressure being a black man. So it's a lot of pressure. So I have to do things to keep my mental health up. 
my son JL, he's a he's a he's a workaholic as for working out. I would sometime when I was riding my bike, I would ride 30 miles, 25, 30 miles in, a, in for a bike ride because I'm trying to I'm processing some things. And then I realized that in order for me to really get the help, I gotta talk to somebody. Because if I don't talk to one and just talk to myself, how I many know talking to yourself don't get an answer? Sometimes you get the wrong answer. But if you have someone you can talk to or relate to what you're going through, it makes the biggest difference. In the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 21 to 25, this is Amplified Version. This is the writing of Apostle Paul. And he talks to the uh, Romans uh, interview. He says, so I find it to be the law of my inner self that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature. But I see a different law and a rule of action in the members of my body. In its appetites and desire, waging war against the law of what? My mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is within my members. He says, wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from this bite of death, this corrupt moral existence? Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind, somebody say my mind, mind. serve the law of God, the righteousness of God. But on the other hand, with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. So Paul is saying, there's there's a war going on inside of me. I want to do right. But trying to do right comes with a a price that sometimes I don't want to pay. It's just, I just don't want to do wrong, but I don't always want to do right. So help me in this wretched position that I can do what God says. So I serve with the, with the law of righteousness of my mind. It's the scripture, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creature. Old things are passed. It's a process. I've been told I wasn't, I didn't measure up as a kid. It's a process of trying to measure up to being something. So I cast down every imagination that's challenging my mind, my mental health, because there's so many things that are happening that I can't explain. So here Paul is literally saying, I know what is to do right, but how to carry it out sometime is challenging. I don't wake up to create problems. I'm not, I'm not chasing women, but I'm struggling with thoughts in my mind. I know it's to, to be on the righteous side is to be around righteous people. But I'm not always around righteous people. I live in a real world here. Society does, has an influence, an impact in my life. So I have to make a decision that I won't allow what my flesh wants to do over what I know I'm supposed to do. Someone said knowledge is power. But my power, my knowledge becomes based on my experience about what I've experienced in life. So I learned to cope with what I see every day. I see injustice. I see mistreatment. I come up without a father. I've been rejected by a man that said, hell no, I won't be your dad. So I've had all these things have been in the life of Prater, not Pastor Paul, but Prater. Mm-hmm. When I was bad, they called me Pray. Pray to pray to have always had some type of encounter facing his mental health. Because sometimes as a black man, a black male, you don't always feel like you measure up. It's like you can't do enough. You're not appreciated. 
You try to give an image of something, but the image is not what it really is. You compensate it by buying stuff, but buying the stuff don't make you feel better. It's just a temporary fix. You, you ever wonder why a man would spend his last dime buying rims for a truck or a car? <laughs> Trying to compensate pain. Just for a moment to not be in the pain, but yet be in pain. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm just in, I'm just absorbing everything you're saying, and the scripture here is 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 saying the same thing. The war in our flesh, you know, the things that we have learned over the years, the things that have been poured into us. Some of those things we have to fight off of us. You know, if you've been taught, uh, you know, I think Mitra said that last week. Mean girls, mean moms raise mean girls. They raise up mean girls. And so if you were raised by a person or a lady that was just mean-spirited, when you come up, you know, that's been poured into you. Mm. Or a male, if yeah. your father was a mean-spirited man mm. and didn't show compassion, love towards you, mm. because sometimes we think a man in the house is just good enough. No, my father never left us. We was there, he was there the whole time, but he was so disconnected from us and he was absorbed in alcoholism um, that... Uh, uh, but he would always say, you know, I'll, I'll kill somebody if they ever mess with my kids. That was to us an affirmation of love. Mm. That was the only affirmation that we had is that he would harm somebody for us. But to say, I love you, I can't recall that. Mm. Yeah. I can't recall that. So we found other ways to, to recognize that he cared for us. And uh, uh, it's those things that we get old as adults and have to battle off of us. Those are the things that wage uh, war in us against what we know is right and what we have been taught or what we've been formed in. And uh, so sometimes when we are poured into the wrong things, like we, 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 there was nothing that was off limits that the world offered us that was not good that my father would just say, no, that's not good for you. Okay. You know, I don't recall him saying no. Like if we were young, 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 Wayne over there with his whole device. Mm -hmm. um, young mm -hmm. uh, girls, and, and, and my mother was not always in agreement, but my father, because he was a, uh, uh, the type of man, he liked to go out and party, he liked to, you know, he liked to drink a lot, and, and so my dad thought, well, showing me love was taking me with him to a house of just all these drunk men and women, mm -hmm. and I'm the only child there, and uh, he, that was his way of saying, I love you, come be with me. But I'm sitting there, and old these old men are looking at me. I'm a child, but yeah. I know their look toward me was not good, mm -hmm. and it made me feel inadequate. It made me feel funny. It made me feel weird, and it stressed me out, and so it caused another shyness in me. So all of these things are things that we struggle with as adults because this is the poor mm -hmm. that we got when we were kids, and so... Um, Sometimes we have to visit these things. This, that's a fresh memory for me yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have to battle these things like the scripture says here. What's right? Mm -hmm. Then we have to battle uh, not trying to get the attention of every man when we walk in the room. Because that was our poor. And men have to likewise not try to get all the attention of the, the women. Right. Uh, Be because, the Mac daddy. Yeah. Because <laughs> Papa was a rolling stone. Is that an old word? Mac Daddy's an old word. That's an old word, Nicole. How many of y'all remember that, that song? Is Papa Mac was Daddy an old, old word? Wherever he laid his hat. 
a song Said it. that was degrading to who we were. We were not created to be uh, rolling stones. We were not created to go out and just populate the earth, or repopulate the earth, none of that. We, we was called mm-hmm. to be men of integrity, men of God. But when you don't have that example, and that example of what's been poured into you as a male mm-hmm. is so your wild oats yeah. is what you wind up doing. And then think about the end of that song. It yeah. says, and when he died, all that he left us was alone. Oh, he left you nothing else but alone. No wow. legacy. No, no, he didn't impart anything yeah. to them. He just left them alone. And unfortunate, that still happens today. A reality, today. yes. Happens today. Because men are not being fostered the way they need to. Very few men, very few children would do what we're doing today. Yeah. It's for teaching about this mental health component that people are being impacted by. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have the conversation, nothing changes. I think I saw a hand. Yes, sir. What he passed on to me is, is a little different. It's a little different. How many times do you have to, like me, I, I struggle with being successful. You know what I mean? Like everything I've started, I've completed. I've done some things that people wish they could do. But to me, I'm not successful. Uh, and that's now, today. Retired three times. I mean, I, I'm still not successful to me. Because my father passed that on. And y'all know me, and I say this, if a man don't work, he don't eat. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying like, how long I got to work? Okay. <laughs> I, how long you want to eat? I, 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 yeah. I, I, I want to get my brother, what's your name, I sir? Like what's your name? Howard. Howard. I wonder why you clap like that. <laughs> okay. I don't have any children, but I, I do, um, I play a huge impact in the life of my niece and nephew. Okay. Um, and that's something I've always tried to impact into my, my nephew's um, life at a young age. As a young, um, if a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Okay. So um, that's why that, that resonated with me when he said and, and, that. And that's biblical. The Bible speaks about a man doesn't work, a man don't eat. Um, but these days, he don't have to work to eat. The women take care of him. <laughs> But that's also impactful. That that started somewhere. Yeah. Thank you. That started somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that a man just comes up with. Yeah. That's something he's viewed, seen. It's been impactful to him, and so he's just walking out what he has been taught, mm-hmm. or what he's uh, what's been demonstrated in front of him, mm-hmm. and uh, and and sometimes we women, we uh, we 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 have to have a better way of not breaking our men but encouraging them to do or take their rightful role. You know, sometimes we think helping them uh, is to do them like we need to be done. And in actuality for a man, it's just the opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm preaching now. (laughs) Just the opposite. But our fear is that we don't want to lose them. That's the thing. We think if pushing him is going to push him out the door. Uh, Yeah, that's another dynamic. Things that impact a black man's mental health, I put number one, father's absence. That, that's, that's one of the things that uh, 
was a part of my undevelopment, but yet I received a development from a guy named Mr. Otis Scott. Mr. Scott was uh, an individual that would take me to work with him. My reward pay was donuts. Um, mm. <laughs> sometimes Scott, I want to visit his grave, man. Give me my money. <laughs> but what he poured into me, yeah, what he poured into me was responsibility. Mr. Scott was the modern day back then, uh, Sam's wholesale. He would buy stuff in bulk. So I grew up with that mindset of provider. I was I always been a good provider. That's what I always done. But I didn't give that emotional support to my children. What I call emotional support was if you need something, I bought it. That was done for me. You know, I, I remember every, every uh, payday, well, uh, I can't say pay come on and work because the position was in. But I remember we would go down to the store called Woolworths. Anybody remember Woolworths? Yeah. H.L. Green. Yeah. And uh, we're riding the city bus down there every, I think around the first of the month. You know, black folk love the first of the month. Uh, <laughs> so the first of the month, we'll go downtown, and her and I ride the bus, and we'll go to Woolworths. We'll eat at the county. It had the, the best hamburgers you can have. I'm telling you, the good burgers. And then I remember you had to pay 10 cents to use the bathroom. You had to put a dime. Yeah, you had to put a dime. Yeah. I don't know if they had a black bathroom up, but I know we had to pay 10 cents to use it. But I remember those days so vividly, but what my mom gave me was stuff. She loved me, no doubt, but she didn't give me what I needed from a man to be a man. So, so my development without the answer of the father made me a, a, a young kid who saw other fathers in the home with their children, some of my friends, but only found out that they was just a man in the house, but he wasn't a father. Because you're in the home, don't make you a father. What makes you a father when you're able to connect with your children, able to love their mother, love, you know, teach them how to respect themselves. That was, that's the role of a father. But when you don't have that as an example, you don't have that model, then you're only going to call survive. You're going to just do what you have to do to be a man, only lack that, that part. It's very important, men, that you be in your children's life. Regardless of you and the mother situation, your role in the role of your children is, is important because no one can impact them more than you. No child should have to figure out who their dad is. I was going to say, too, and I applaud you, Howard, yeah. uh, for if you don't have any children, you said, but you are, in, you are taking and imparting it to your nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. Men can only give to men what they yeah. need. We women, we can love our sons, we can nurture our sons, but there's a component that only comes from men to another man. Yeah. And even if there's not a father, there needs to be an impartation from another man to another to a male child. Yeah. And so I applaud you uh, that you know that you're taking that role because even though uh, you, you know this if there's not a father in the place or something like that, he, this male child needs that male connection. And so that's why mentorship is important. 
men, is, uh, even if you don't have children or if you're uh, if your nieces or nephews or just a child in the neighborhood, yeah. it might be a male in the neighborhood, he needs that impartation. He needs that from you. And mothers, we, we can only go so far. So move out of the way. If there's a male that's there that's willing to give your sons yeah. what they need, you move out of the way. Now, that's a positive thing because everybody doesn't have the poor. You have to be able to pour what's good in you out. If you don't have anything good, you can't pour, or you shouldn't pour, yeah. because you're just going to create another twisted child, male child. Uh, depression affects men's mental health. Depression comes in many forms and many directions, and because we don't talk about depression, don't mean we're not depressed. If your if your bills have a seed that you're full of ability, that's the, that can cause depression. Mm -hmm. uh, a broken relationship called depression. Even when I went to my divorce, prior to the divorce, in the process of divorce, I was depressed and didn't realize I was depressed. Only when it really came to an end, it came to an end, I realized I was depressed. I, I shared many times with the congregation how I would leave my, my home, come to the church, tears to the top of the driveway, Vizine became my investment, put it in my eyes so I looked like I was crying or hurt, coming to the church, preach, leave the church, start crying all the way back to my home again. It went on for a year. Even though I had people around me, but I didn't have always the conversation. And the conversation I did have with people, it wound up backfiring on me because it was, became a betrayal of trust. And one thing about a black man, one thing about us as men, if we get betrayed by way of trust, it's a shutdown. And we want to punish everybody. Am I right, men? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I pray that you men can relate to this. Women, I want you all to hear this. If your man show any sign of, of vulnerableness, meaning he show you a sign that he can communicate and you use it against him, it's a done deal. And they say, why he won't talk? Well, because you, you took that voice. That's why you got to be, even though you may want to say, even you know the answer. You don't always have to give the answers. Right. You know, one thing about uh, when Sandow got married, you know, she had been single for, for what, how many years? Y'all know what I went through. So, <laughs> so when we, we moved together in the home, where she was possessed home prior to us getting married, she was doing male and female responsibilities. So I come in home, you know, trying to do certain things, and she would kind of like trying to lead the way. I said, I got this. She, she moved over, but it went a fast move over. <laughs> Which is understandable, because for 11 years, you've been, you've been processing, you're in your home. So, you know, so it took me time to adjust. Because I, I, I'm used to paying all the bills. I'm used to paying, taking care of all responsibilities. And then only to help, only to find out that I had to work my way in to do what I need to do as a man. Nothing against you, though. No, it was yeah. just what I had grew accustomed to. I had to take care of everything. I had to do what I had to do. And so I wasn't accustomed to a man that took the responsibility of the home. 
I had, you know, and unfortunately, that's just how it is sometimes. And so I had to, you know, it's just like a, uh-huh, oh, oh, you going to do that too? Oh, oh, you got that too? And so I just wasn't accustomed to it. I was used to getting down there, you know, you grab that side, I got this side, okay. <laughs> you know, we, he, ho, just do it. But, you know, he was the type of man that he's like, babe, you, you go do that, and I got this. Yeah. You know, and so I had to grow, you know, I had to get used to that. And so, you know, but when I did, Sheena, you, you look, I'll be sitting down just with be, be just swinging. Don't be doing nothing. <laughs> but honestly, depression uh, has has been part of my journey. It's like functioning, but yet you know you got things going on because I had cycles that I went through in this process. But the question is, not so much the question, depression can be temporary, but it also can be a long journey if it's not managed with. Uh, then another thing that men, black men face, I would say with mental is anger and frustration. I think someone mentioned about frustration. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can't do certain things that you desire to do, it can frustrate you. When you're limited, it brings frustration. So anger, is a part of what we go through. But you can be with the Bible, so you can be angry and sin not. Angry should be temporary. In other words, enough anger to do what needs to be done mm -hmm. without getting incarcerated. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah. Or without damaging your family yeah, or damaging the people around, around your spirit, you, yeah. your spouse, your, your significant other, whoever. Mm -hmm. You know, because when sometimes when we're angry, we strike. We're, we're, we're wounded, wounded people wound people. Yeah. And so sometimes that's the thing we got to recognize is that I got to learn, and I, I say this all the time, we got to learn how to direct our anger. Like don't, you know, if you're mad about something, you can't come in and shotgun blast everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to have, uh, you have to think about this thing and get it under control so that you don't damage you know, don't be the bull in the china uh, shop. Just tan up everything, and then when you look around, <laughs> you know, tow up the whole place now. You know, you, you got to rebuy this and rebuy that because you done damaged everything that one situation mm -hmm. needed to be dealt with. How many of you brothers are facing stress? Yeah, all the men. You stress down to your feet. Stress. Got some stress going stress on. Stress going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. Stress is just reality. It's normal. You know, welcome to the normal world. Welcome. Yeah, but there's a way of managing your stress. You may be seated. Because if you don't manage the stress, which is, facing, is affecting your mental health, that's when we start acting out. Our action become more than just words. So in order to prevent that from happening, you have to acknowledge it. You got to acknowledge, I'm stressed. You know, uh, my wife know me, I'm about a bill. If a bill come, it ain't even paid. Have you paid the bill yet? <laughs> you know, because I've always had that fear of not paying my bills. Because that, that was a component of being stressed. I didn't have to be stressed about it because all I do was pay the bill. Someone said, just pay the bill. Pay the bill. But if you ain't got to pay, you just you got to see what's going on. Don't stress. Because stress gets the best of you. It, it affects you in more ways than your knowledge. No, no man wants to not be able to provide for his family. No good, I'm a, no good man. Every, every good man that has any heart of responsibility will make sure his family is taken care of. That's his four 
first most important thing for him. And when he can't do that, if you can't, if you know your husband can't buy those shoes, don't scratch in the buy those shoes. Don't keep dangling around, yes. sending emails and texts and pictures of Reminders, shoes. Reminders, keep, yeah. keep yeah. you know, and sometimes we yeah. do that to our men. That's a mental, yeah. that's impacting his mental health. Yeah. Trying to get your men to, uh, it, to, to give you uh, a half a million dollar lifestyle and he's making a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a lot. That's yeah. a that's stress, and 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 it's impactful because if he loves you in any kind of way, mm -hmm. he wants to make it happen. Yeah. And so when we put that stress on our men, I mean, sometimes we try to keep up with the Joneses, but you don't know what the Joneses got going on over there, mm -hmm. you yeah. know. And so my thing is, I'd rather live in if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'd rather live like I'm got fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And then have money in the bank and don't have no stress mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to, you know, try, you know, I don't want to, uh, what's that Gucci bags and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then I got $10 in my wallet. No, mm -hmm. let's switch that around. Mm -hmm. Give me that $10 purse and then let me have that Gucci money in the wallet. That's, <laughs> that's my way of thinking. I love you like that too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, I put in, uh, well, no, some injustice of the law. Is injustice, of, that's number five, injustice of the law. Mm -hmm. Example, false imprisonment. Mm -hmm. um, cover that one? Yeah. Okay. Um, insomnia. That, that's something that I've, I've found myself battling with. You know, I'm saying I don't do a lot of sleep, but when you got a lot going on in your head, it causes insomnia. And, and it's important that we rest as men. If you don't rest that body, your body going to tell you. So that, another, I call a component dealing with mental health is not getting a proper amount of sleep. Right. All work and no play can cause problems. Tell your name, you gotta rest. Gotta rest. A little sensitive one that we, we didn't, I'm gonna go back to this PTSD, that's, that's the post-traumatic stress disorder. And my son, JR said, it's just not military related. I've always said people all over have certain measure of PTSD, being traumatized by something that requires help with it. And the problem with most people, well, not, not most, the problem with people at times is they won't go get the help. They don't want to be classified. They don't want to be known that they got these issues going on. But how many know it always get some resolve, you got to get the help? Um, I think if I could say one thing on that, mm. never be ashamed of needing help. Yeah. Never be ashamed of needing help. Mm. If, if we have a problem with our body, we go to the doctor. We have a problem with our cars, we go to the mechanics. Mm -hmm. We have a problem with our home, we call in someone to do that. And when we have a problem with it, there's something that's weighing on our minds and in our hearts that's causing us to be out of our character, get the help. Because it's just sometimes just a, sometimes we just need to put our finger down our throat and just throw up the, the gook, mm -hmm. the, the the stuff that's horrible in our, it's making us sick in our spirit. So we need to throw it up, and then sometimes we just need to tell somebody about it and have another perspective on what it is. Because sometimes we're just battling with perspective. Yeah. Um, ED, erectile dysfunction that that men face at some point in their life. Um, and that can be very stressful. That, that can cause a man mental component to really be challenged. 
And, and the worst thing can happen to a man, if that is his situation, is for his significant other to make him feel less of value. This is sensitive now. Study has shown that not all only older men battling with ED, but younger men. So a lot's going on in society. A lot is happening. But what a man needs in that area of support is the reassurance. If he's not able to do it, you ain't going nowhere. Teach that one. It's quiet. Well, I think yeah. sometimes we put too much pressure on. Yeah. Well, men, let me just tell you, yeah. take the pressure off yourself yeah. of this. Your manhood, let me just say for some women, is not there. Right. You know, if you have a loved one, that one that loves you, and I say love, loves you, that is not at the top of the list. Mm-mm, it is not. Uh, and so sometimes I think men, you know, just in y'all minds as men, you know, y'all, y'all put a lot of pressure on yourselves there. And so you think more about that than we women actually are thinking. Yeah. Yeah, they this late. Yeah. But it's men, factual. Yeah. All the men doing like this. <laughs> well, well, you know what? It's a sensitive topic and it's a sensitive thing. Yeah. It's because like, like men, just think about yourselves as men when in your young days. In mm. your young days, you know, it was all about, you know, it's parading, mm. right? Yeah. Parading. And so y'all put a lot of emphasis there. Mm. But, you know, as a man, when you grow up, that's a childish thing. Mm -hmm. You put the childish thing away and you realize I'm more of a man than that. And we women early on, early on we realize that. We women early on, we're not all into y'all like that, like that. Really? No. We like we like the we like to hold the hands. We like the romance. We like the this is we we like the intimacy, the the hugging and you know and you all hold my think, hand too long, I'm getting happy. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. The men automatically think the whole handing is going to some place. And for women, not so yeah. much. Hand holding for us sometimes is the satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. But the men think that when you hold a hand, you want something, because when they hold our hand, that's what they want. <laughs> but they, they've got to think it's a different mind. Yeah. Yeah. The women, we think differently, we're, we're made differently. And so when we hold hands, mm. that could be the end of what we want. We might not want nothing else. Mm. She, she told me that long time ago. Cannot. Y'all, y'all picked the wrong Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a reality. As, as for men, because we are driven physically, so our mind said, "Is this? This has to happen. This got to be done." It's only when you get older you become a real lover. A true lover. And then you put the pressure on yourself yeah. that that's what's going on, mm -hmm. that if she holds your hand, yeah. that causes trauma in the relationships. Yeah. If she holds your hand, oh, I'm not going to be able to. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of heightened anxiety and stuff like that. But I'm going to tell you, men, just relax. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Yes, sir. But I think you also Except got to realize that men was taught this way. Yeah, yeah. That you got to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. 
and and in those conversations in the locker rooms and yeah. and other men saying yeah. things of what you gotta be. Mm -hmm. So that's what's in the, in the mind mm -hmm. is that I got to perform a certain way. I got to be in a certain position. Right. So we were taught that mm -hmm. that you got to be in a certain place. And, and, and so that's what makes it difficult mm -hmm. because we've been taught that, and because we've been taught that. And then now we're hearing what you're saying, that it's hard for us to shift. Yeah. Well, for some of us right. mm -hmm. to shift to that. Yeah. You know, as, as a man get older, uh, medically, especially if he's taking blood pressure meds, stuff like that, that will affect his ability. Anything medical, but if you got the right person in your life, as you said, that, that's not the, the key thing. Now, I hear you, but you know, I, I hear you. <laughs> I ain't there yet. <laughs> but, but I do know this much. If that became the case, she would be there with me. She would support me. So a man has to have the freedom that if that is the situation, that he's not pressured or may feel less than. Right. right. A big, a think about it in this sense. We love our significant other, yes. and God forbid if something was to happen to that person. Come on. If they were not able to, let's say, uh, there was something that impacted them that, in, that, in that area, that they would not be able to perform in that way. Does the love stop? No, it doesn't stop. So, that, and I think you men, y'all kind of bounced off each other when y'all got all that information in the locker room. Y'all should have had somebody to tell y'all from the female perspective. You know, not so much. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> let's close for Akka. <laughs> well, thank y'all for coming. No, yeah. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the last one we, we got put here, and then we'll pick up next week. It's alcohol and drugs that have, that will impact a man's mental health. And reason men, uh, I'm talking about men. When we're talking about you in, in the future, men turn to vices to cope. The man of God, though he, not the man of God, I mean to preach. I'm just just a man of God. He's, he's he's in the faith, has to make sure of who he is. And the most way of his assurance is knowing that he is the man of God. And the words of prayer, words of encouragement, makes a difference. No man does it right all the time. Right. But I was sharing with my wife coming in. Men are like this. If you told me I could be an astronaut, I'm crazy enough to believe it. And I do it. But if you tell me I ain't with a blank blank, you'll break my spirit. And when you break my spirit and keep breaking my spirit, somebody will build my spirit. Which creates another dynamic. Which is another, which is another, another dynamic. Method. No justification. This, and this is the yeah. thing that we're, we're talking about these things now because we think Christians don't go through the stuff. Yeah. You know, Jesus took away our sins. <laughs> but we still had some things that we had to deal with past our sins. And that's what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about everyday living, everyday life. You know, I know the Lord loves me. I know my soul is secure in heaven. You know, when I'm going to be absent from this body, I am going to be present with the Lord. Yes, yes. But in the meantime, 
you know, I got to walk this thing out daily, every day. And the impact is not always from me. Sometimes it's coming from on the outside. And it's all how we deal with it, mm -hmm. how we uh, filter it, how we take it and process it that'll make this walk a lot easier for us. And I think the one thing we gotta do with mental health is stop denouncing it, stop pretending, yeah. stop trying to be super Christians, yeah. and just be believers that know God can. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the Christian faith, it's not dressed enough. Right. We say pray and move on, but sometimes it's just not the prayer that needs to move on. Sometimes you need someone to help you to move on. I want all my men to stand. In fact, I want you to come and just stand by me. Let's move this chair. Mm -hmm. 